Well, in the midst of the Roman Empire, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church there in a small town of Colossae, and we've been studying that letter. And in Colossae, like in our day, there are a variety of cultures and ideas, and there's a clash of worldviews going on, a battle between true and false teaching. And if you remember, false teachers in Colossae had tried to minimize who Jesus is, And some of them had insisted that people could find God only through special and secret knowledge. They taught that salvation was not for all people, but for a select few who discovered the mysteries of of God. So what do you think Paul is going to say about that? Well, he's going to remind the Colossians of what the mystery of God is and what that looks like when people receive it. But let's hear Paul's teaching on the mystery of God. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So Paul wants the Colossians and us... To know, verse 2, the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he says Christ is the mystery of God, verse 26 says, that had been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. This is what Paul is proclaiming. And remember from last week, Christ is sufficient. Um, There's no need to be searching for anything other. To be in Christ and to live in Christ is what we need. He is enough to save us and he is enough to transform us. And so the gospel is sufficient. And remember, it is fruitful. When we're living in Christ, we are going to be moved We're going to be motivated, and we're going to be changing. We're going to be in this process. Ian and I were just talking about that process in him, and that process is in us if we're in Christ. And so belief in this mystery, being Christ, 
will cause you and I to be reformed and reforming or transformed and transforming. However you want to say it, there's things happening and changing. If we believe in Christ, we're going to be moved. And so the question I want to answer or the question that I believe the text answers this morning is, how will we be moved by the mystery? What are the signs of someone who's in Christ? And I, I believe our passage this morning gives at least four ways that we're going to be moved by the mystery or by Christ. First of all, we see in the text, we're moved to sacrifice for others. We're moved by love. We sacrifice for others. Listen to these verses here just to, to, to show you that it's here. I'm not pulling it out of the air. Verse 24, it says, what was suffered for you? Verse 29, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy. Chapter 2, verse 1, I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Do you hear Paul's love for the people in these phrases? Do Do you hear and feel his compassion going out? Do you hear his willingness to pay the price so that others can know the fullness of who Christ is? And Paul is so moved by his love for Christ that he's willing to labor and struggle and even suffer so that people can come to know Christ and so that they can learn how to follow him. So his love, or or, yeah, that love for Christ moves him to action. He's willing to pay the price for that action. And as I said last week in verse 24, Paul is not saying that the sufferings of Christ are insufficient for salvation. But he is saying that the suffering of Christ's body, the church, will continue until he returns. And that Christ is suffering right alongside of it, of us as his body. Paul would later write to Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And remember that Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison cell. So... What Paul is saying is that when Jesus was on the earth, he suffered. And so since we're his followers, we'll probably suffer as well. And making a difference in other people's lives isn't easy. And making a difference in our world isn't easy either. Uh, It can be costly. But that's why when we reflect on Christ and we think about the price that he paid, it moves us to give because we can't help it. We can't help but give because Christ gave it all, right? So what can we give? And Paul says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. We're moved to sacrifice for others because we're caught up in the ministry of what Christ has done for us. Now, that, that can come out in a number of forms. It can be expressed in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's the giving of our time. Maybe it means us getting out of our comfort zone and taking a leadership position. Maybe it's being a spiritual leader in our home. Maybe it's saying no to some of our wants so that we can fund more of God's kingdom work. I don't know what Christ may be calling you too. But I hope it will be big enough to demand your labor and your struggle. Paul says, before you get too discouraged by that, 
Paul says that the sacrifice he makes for others is actually a source of great joy. And maybe that sounds a little bit strange to you. It kind of did to me at first, but, but let's think about this. In order to sacrifice for another, we must be willing to humble ourselves. We must be willing to become servants. We must be willing to take the same attitude that Jesus himself demonstrated. And so when I set my selfishness aside, when I see the needs of others, and when I can set my ego aside, I can serve them. And when I set my things aside, I can sacrifice. And when I do that, I'm being like Christ. And Christ was joyful when he sacrificed for others. And so I have that same joy as well. Now, I have to add that this type of labor or struggle is only possible in his power. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't flow out of us. It's not something that we work up or we just try harder to do. It's beyond our ability and our will to do. So let's start there. It's beyond us. But with the Holy Spirit's power... His energy is what moves us to that kind of a life, to impact the lives of others. So Paul's telling us it'll take demand, it'll take labor and struggle, it'll even take sacrifice, but it's in Christ's power, the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own. So here's an application question for that first point. This morning I have application questions for each point because it seems like there's clear application and I want to just take it as it comes here. So application question for the first point. Am I willing to labor and even sacrifice so that others may know and follow Christ? Am I willing to labor and even sacrifice so that others may know and follow Christ? How will we be moved by the mystery that you and I have discovered? Well, we're moved to sacrifice for others. And secondly, verses 25 through 27... We are moved to proclaim Christ to all people. For most of us, the word mystery here communicates uh, this idea of a whodunit kind of mystery or a puzzle that can't be understood. But the Hebrew word for mystery uh, was a little bit different. Uh, the Hebrews would have understood, understood mystery to mean something that's related to God's purposes, which can only be understood by divine revelation. And so it's not something people can figure out, but something that God must reveal. And this is important because false teachers in Colossae were saying that God's mystery or wisdom was only revealed to some. But Paul blows this out of the water. The mystery that was revealed in Christ is this, he says, that through Christ, Jews and Gentiles... All people could find God. And that was a revolutionary idea in that day, and it's a revolutionary idea in our day. Uh, Commentator William Barclay says, The fact is that the only thing in this world which is for every man is Christ. It's not every man who can be a thinker. There are gifts which are not granted to every man. Not every man can master every craft or even every game. There are those who are colorblind and to whom the loveliness of art means nothing. There are those who are tone deaf and to whom the glory of music doesn't exist. Not every man can be a writer or a student 
or a preacher or a singer or a speaker. Even human love at its highest is not granted to all men, Barclay says, but the one thing which is for every man is Jesus Christ. To every man there is open the good news of the gospel and the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and the transforming power which can bring holiness into life to those who receive it. And so being in was not just a Jewish thing. Christ died for all people. Saving Gentiles was not God's plan B after being rejected by the Jews. And so Christ in us means there's hope for everyone. And so think about this. If if Christ can save someone like you and I, he can change the life of anyone. So the application question for this point is, what is the next step I can help a person take to know Christ personally? For those in my world who don't know Christ, how can I help them know? People who study these things tell us that most people need five or six encounters with Christ before actually accepting Him as their Lord and Savior. So think of a friend or a family member who doesn't know Christ and see if we could be one of those encounters this week. The mystery of Christ moves us to sacrifice for others, to proclaim Christ to others, and then thirdly, in verse 28... We are moved to pursue maturity in Christ. Verse 28 actually says, We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. The word perfect here could also be translated mature or complete. In fact, I think the newer version of the NIV just says mature. Uh, The idea Paul wants us to think about is a life that has reached its purpose, that has grown up. And and he's not saying that we reach that point uh, until after death. He is saying that those who follow Christ mature and must grow up. Complete and mature is to be like Christ more and more right now. And so our lives are to be more like Christ today than last week. And when we meet together next Sunday, our lives should be more like Christ than they are today. It's a process. It's a progression that we're in. So how do we do that? Well, Paul says we mature first by proclaiming Christ. And and to proclaim means to publicly declare a completed truth. It means that we proclaim Christ and Him alone. And so there's no other path to God. Um, There's no other secret knowledge. Um, There's no one else who can transform us into something good or better. There's Christ and there's Him alone. And secondly, and I want to focus on this part of it, we mature by admonishing one another. And admonishing means that we encourage and we instruct one another. And when necessary, we confront one another. We warn others about sin or, or their lives that have gone off of God's path. It means that we lovingly get in another person's face about sin or false doctrine or complacent spirituality. It means that we love one another so much that we call one another to a higher standard and that we don't let one another wallow in spiritual mediocrity. We don't want other people to live superficially. 
God's purpose is higher than that. And so we love them enough to encourage them and admonish them in that way. And so I'm wondering, and just think about this, if an outsider studied our church, would they or could they conclude that maturity in Christ is valuable? Would they see that? Would they pick that up? Is sanctification or maturity in Christ important for Christians today? Well, let's let Paul answer that. Verse 28, he says, We proclaim him, meaning Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So, a very simple application question here. What is the next step I can take or that I can help another person take to become more like Jesus? Notice in this passage that Paul doesn't view his faith as an individual private thing as many of us could do in our culture. Instead, he shows us that when we come to Christ and discover the mystery of who he is, we become united with a church of believers, not just here, but worldwide. And we've already noted how Paul has struggled and he's worked for the church in Colossae. But remember, he has never met these people. He's never met them. For Paul, and as it should be for us, to know Christ means to be united with others in Christ, the church. And to be a part of the church means, means we have Christ, that we're connected to others, both here and worldwide. The mystery of Christ is sufficient. It's fruitful. And so he moves us to sacrifice for others. He moves us to proclaim Christ to all people, to pursue maturity in Christ. And then finally, in chapter 2, we are moved to live in unity with one another. And so, Living Life Church family, we are meant to be hope and encouragement to each other. And I see that from time to time. I see that hope and that encouragement as we work together. And, and that's for everybody. We know life is tough. Everyone is looking for someone who will give them a picture of hope and encouragement in life. And you and I have been given the real hope in Christ. And so let's give that to each other. Let's give that to others. Let's be people who encourage one another to be faithful to God, to obey His Word, to resist the temptations of the world, to love our families, to listen deeply to one another, to enjoy and celebrate God all the time. Verse 2 says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. And so being united together in love means encouraging one another. Uh, That we love one another so much that we look for opportunities to encourage one another. And, And I think that strongly implies that we're involved in the lives of other people. It means we we have to let others into our life and let them know what's happening there. Uh, It goes beyond a superficial level. Paul goes on to say that the result of encouragement and love 
is a more confident faith that can see through the deceptions of the world, that will have a confidence born of knowledge and relationship with Christ in a community of people who love and encourage one another. That we're involved with people who refuse to let us fake life with Christ, who refuse to let us believe lies in our lives. And so a final application question, I believe, for this point is, am I connected to other Christ followers who encourage, challenge, and love me? In closing this morning, my prayer is that you too would be caught up in the mystery of Jesus Christ. That he would capture your heart and your mind and your soul and your life and that you would find him to be sufficient and fruitful for justification, for sanctification, for salvation and for life. Because Paul has revealed to us that when we are in Christ, that when we're caught up in the mystery, it will move us. It will change us. It will move us to sacrifice and proclaim Christ for others. It will move us to pursue maturity in Christ and live in unity with another and one another.